Hello, everyone. My name is Evie Martin. I'm the lead pastor here at Platwoods Church. Thank you for worshiping with us online today. I'd like for you to take just a moment and call to mind something that has been passed down to you. Maybe it's an heirloom of great value, something of significant value, or maybe it's something small that only has sentimental value to you because of the memories that it holds. What comes to mind? Who does it remind you of? What does it mean to you? Last week in our Advent series, From Generation to Generation, I began by remembering a little of my grandfather's stories. And this week, I think of my grandmother's. Their stories have shaped and impacted me just as much as my grandfather's. But when I think about meaningful gifts that have been passed down from my generation's past, I think first of my dining room table. I was the lucky grandchild that received my Grandma Martin's china, which, in my opinion, just happened to be more simple and lovely than anything that was on the wedding registries back in 2005. And on my mother's side, Grandma Manoya's silver needed a table to grace as she was downsizing and moving into the final chapters of her life. And I was the fortunate one to receive that gift as well. So every fancy meal or holiday feast that I host, which is not as often as I would like, these gifts passed down through the generations grace my table. And they transport me and my family, even if it's just subconsciously, back to tables and family meals with my grandmothers. And I can't help but wonder in those moments sitting around my table if one day my grandchildren might eat off those dishes with those utensils as well and remember meals around my family table. What are the things in your family that have been passed down from generation to generation. There is a philosophy in the Iroquois tradition that's called the seventh generation principle. It doesn't have anything to do with the physical objects we pass down through the generations. Rather, it's the belief that we pass down our choices too. That choices we make today, particularly with regard to our environment for the Iroquois people, but also about our society and the way we live together, that those choices will ripple down for seven generations to come. That feels different from how the vast majority of people think about life these days. We are very wrapped up in the here and the now. And if we're honest, most of the choices we make have us at the center, and future impact, if we consider it at all, doesn't extend too far past the end of our own lives. What would it feel like to frame our choices, big ones and small ones, as forces shaping the world seven generations after us? In the Christmas story this month, Joseph, is the one who has something to teach us about choices. Joseph gets sort of minimal coverage in the story of Jesus' birth. He's a bit of an ancillary character. He doesn't have any speaking parts. He only shows up for a few verses. A lot of nativity scenes don't even include him, or he gets mixed up with the shepherds sometimes. Joseph is a normal guy, living his normal life, doing the normal things of working, getting married, starting a family. 
He's quite literally your average Joe. He's not looking for adventure. He's doing his best to live a righteous life, scripture tells us, doing no harm, living in right relationship with God and with people. He's engaged to be married to Mary. When suddenly she turns out pregnant and he knows the baby isn't his. This rather significant development presents him with a choice and a few options he could take. He could raise a huge stink, humiliate her, sever all ties, and leave her unclaimed, shamed, and uncared for by both his family and hers to make it perfectly clear that he has done nothing wrong and Mary is the one to blame for everything. He could divorce her quietly to spare her the humiliation, or he could stay with her. He's already begun the process of making a choice in this tricky matter when we find him in Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ took place. When Mary, his mother, was engaged to Joseph, before they were married, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man. Because he didn't want to humiliate her, he decided to call off their engagement quietly. As he was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because the child she carries was conceived by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you will call him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place so that what the Lord had spoken through the prophet would be fulfilled Look, a virgin will become pregnant and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did just as an angel from God commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he didn't have relations with her until she gave birth to a son. Joseph called him Jesus. Joseph is already in the process of making the choices to manage this situation, which has interrupted his life. There was a normal life plan. The pieces were in place for normal life plan. Now the normal life plan has changed, and Joseph wants out. But because he doesn't want Mary to be harmed or humiliated, he's strategizing the best plan to keep things quiet, to allow each of them to go on living their almost normal lives in peace. That's honestly not a bad plan. In the grand scheme of things, it stood a good chance of working out. Joseph's name would be cleared. He could go on and marry someone else. Mary would be taken care of discreetly by family. Jesus would still be born and raised by his single mother. It was a viable choice. No one would have faulted Joseph for that choice. The interruption to his normal life would be handled, and the whole scenario would all one day just be a blip on his distant memory. But then he goes to sleep, and an angel guides him toward what may be a harder, but a better way. The hardest of the three choices Joseph has would be to stay, to go ahead and marry Mary and raise this baby as his own to endure the gossip and the whispers behind his back, to risk a question mark upon his otherwise impeccable reputation. That is the choice that will cost him the most. And yet, that is the choice that the angel says 
is the better way. This is the choice that will offer Mary protection and Jesus legitimacy. This is the choice that will save Jesus' life on more than one occasion as angels continue to speak to Joseph in dreams when he needs to make hard choices for his family. This is the choice that will unfold God's salvation plan into the world. The content of Joseph's choice is that he stays. But the character of his choice is what I find helpful for us. We are faced with choices every single day in this life. Most of them probably seem inconsequential. Maybe even many of them are unconscious. What kind of cereal am I going to eat today? What podcast am I going to listen to next? Will I get gas before or after my next meeting? Constant daily decision making. And at various points along the way of life, we have bigger choices to make, choices that seem weightier and more impactful for our lives and then rippling out to the world around us. What kind of quality of life can I offer my employees? Where do I want my child to go to school? What can I do about racism in my community? For any and all of these choices, I think looking to the character and the characteristics of Joseph's choice can help us. All these many generations later, Understand what it takes to make our choices for the better way, for the path God desires in any circumstance. First of all, we see Joseph choosing honor over shame. He's already leaning in this direction before the angel even shows up. Joseph is already a righteous man. He seeks to follow God. He wants to do what is most right, not just for himself, but also for Mary. However this story has come about for her, he does not want her to bear the burden of shame from her community. Is honor over shame a criteria that we consider often in the choices we make? When our choices impact other people, which they almost always do, do we spend much time thinking about the people in question, particularly if they are vulnerable people like Mary? Will our choice put another person down or draw attention to their faults? Are we trying to make ourselves look good by making someone else look bad? Will we cast doubt upon another person's character or feed the gossip mill? Joseph's determination to stay shows us that choosing honor of another person over their shame is an indicator that we are choosing a better way. A second characteristic we see in Joseph's choice follows from the first. He has decided to uphold Mary's honor, which indicates some measure of forgiveness over festering. Again, before the angel shows up in the dream, Joseph is trying to make sense out of the logistics in this situation. By all logical accounts, Mary has done wrong by him. She has stepped out of the bounds of their betrothal and she has hurt him. We know the backstory, of course, so there really is nothing to forgive her for, but Joseph only learns that part in stages, and already he chooses to lead with forgiveness, even before he has the full picture. Rather than let his frustration and hurt fester and eat away at him, he starts from a posture of forgiveness, leaving full space for Mary, not reducing her simply to the situation she is in. 
All of us have been hurt by someone, sometimes intentionally, but often, like in Mary and Joseph's case, unintentionally. In both circumstances, it can feel really good to let our anger fester for a while. It is easier at first to box the wrongdoer into a categorically bad place. We can paint a picture of them that reduces their whole person to the thing they did to hurt or slight us. But that doesn't serve us very well for very long. Over time, the festering does us more harm than good. And choosing forgiveness frees us from the hurt that has defined that relationship. Choosing forgiveness is a sign that we are choosing the better way. Joseph's choice to stay with Mary is a choosing of humility over pride. He knows that now he will become the subject of gossip and chatter right alongside her. He knows his untainted reputation will take on a different sheen now. He has to consider what it will be to raise a son that is not his own. But the angel takes care of that concern pretty quickly, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. What role does pride play in our decisions? I'm going to go out on a limb and say that pride has a heavy hand in the choices we make. It is counterintuitive to make a choice that gives us less recognition and considers the other person first. I don't often use football illustrations in sermons, but this one caught my attention. Roger Staubach of the 1970s Dallas Cowboys fame. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, you can take the girl out of Texas. Can't take Texas out of the girl. Roger Staubach shares his experience of how difficult it was to be an NFL quarterback who didn't call his own signals. Coach Tom Landry sent in every single play. And it took deep humility for Staubach to accept those plays because he knew Landry was a genius and ultimately Staubach's humility made a better way for the team, right on into four Super Bowls. But he had to swallow his pride. He had to put on humility to receive that guidance and expertise from his coach. You don't have to worry, I am now fully indoctrinated into Chief's Kingdom up here. It's just a sermon illustration. None of us are coaching Super Bowl contenders that I know of, but there are actually much more important choices that we each face, where humility over pride on our part would change the outcome and the impact. Choices that bring our world closer to God, not farther away. Choices within our own families, how we will relate to one another, how we will repair brokenness. Choices in our community, how we will listen instead of shouting out our own opinions loudest. Choices in our faith, will we try to figure out everything on our own or will we leave room for mystery and unknowing because God is God and we are not. The choice that requires our humility like Joseph had, is a good sign that we are choosing the better way, the way that God is laying out for us. And finally, in Joseph, we see a choice for full commitment over begrudging responsibility. After his dream, Joseph could have followed the angel's instructions, stayed with Mary, but been a half-hearted partner and parent he could have taken on the responsibility out of obligation, but not out of passion and purpose. 
There are a few clues in the text that indicate to us Joseph's wholehearted commitment once he makes his choice. First of all, the angel says that Joseph will be the one to name Jesus. You will call him Jesus, the angel says. And then the very last verse, Joseph called him Jesus. It's important who names Jesus. Because in Jewish tradition, when a man is the one who names the child, it makes him the child's legal parent. All the paternal benefits of Joseph are now legally bestowed upon Jesus. That includes his lineage then, all the way back to David. Joseph isn't just agreeing to babysit this kid once in a while. He commits fully to his role as Jesus' father. We see this commitment again in the next chapter when Joseph has three more dreams where angels come to give him direction for the protection of Jesus. And every time Joseph complies, he doesn't question, he doesn't complain. He's not just checking off tasks on the dad list. He chooses the direction the angel sends him because he knows it is the better way, the safer way for his son. We all know what it looks like when someone, when we, make a half-hearted commitment to something. When we feel like we're obligated to participate, but we don't really want to buy in. It's not awesome. We don't do what we say we're going to do. We don't give it our best effort. The people involved get the vibe that we're putting off, that we're not really interested in the collective effort. And we bring other people's energy and passion down with us. Joseph made his choice. And he did it with full commitment, no holds barred. He jumped into the divine adventure with Mary. And they did the task that God had for them with love and commitment. In frightening times and in the mundane years, they chose the better way. And they dove all the way in. It's always somewhat wondrous to me when I think about it that God's primary design for God's activity in the world relies so heavily on human choices. God sets out the course for the way the world could be and then invites humans, ordinary ones, normal ones, eccentric ones, young, old, unsuspecting ones, to make choices to carry the plan forward. I'm sure throughout history, more people have chosen the easy way or the wrong way, rather than God's better way. But can you imagine God's delight every time they point to the better way and someone says, yes. Joseph's choice of the better way in the Christmas story is a legacy gift to us. The character of his choice gives us the framework for choosing the better way in big choices and even in small ones. The path to God's better way holds honor over shame. It leads with forgiveness, not the festering of hurt. It requires humility over pride. And when we choose it, we dive in with full commitment, not begrudging responsibility. When the choices before us are going to require honor, forgiveness, humility, and full commitment, we can know with some measure of assurance that we are stepping into the path that God would love for us to take. From generation to generation, we pass things down. Our heirlooms, our genetics, 
our physical traits, our stories. And in this Advent season, as we hold Joseph's story alongside our own, may we take some time to consider our choices, those we've made, those we can remake, and those that are yet to be decided. They will last generations longer than we will. And we have the joy and the opportunity to choose God's better way. Will you pray with me? God, you show up to us in dreams, in whispers, in other people's words. You have done so for generations. When the roads diverge in front of us, when we are faced with one or two or three paths that we could take, give us pause. Call our ancestor Joseph to mind. Call our descendants to mind. And give us courage to choose the path that brings your light to the world around us and to the generations to come. In the name of Jesus, Joseph's choice for the better way. Amen.